Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., probably the world for that matter, uh, because we might be the only one. And we're broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management and veterans as well. As everyone knows, of course, we're here in the States. We're in the middle of our holiday season. Uh, Last week, we celebrated Veterans Day in the United States. Uh, Next week, we have Thanksgiving. Uh, and every year on our sh- on this show, we always dedicate a episode in November to veterans, and we would love you know to hear their story and make sure that we're honoring them. Veterans Day, of course, is an important holiday as it unites all of us to on a single day to be able to honor our veterans. But really, we should be doing that every day, right? Every day, we should be honoring the service that they and their families, right? Because the military and their families sacrifice for all of us to defend our freedoms. And we shouldn't think of that as just a once a you know a, a day within the year. So we want to shine the spotlight uh, every year. We do that, and we bring on veterans to hear their story and learn about their transition. So today we'll be talking with three veterans, and we'll hear their story. Uh, before we jump into that, I also want to say thank you to the sponsors of the show, the PMO Squad, and the PMO Leader. A uh, reminder for everyone to, to go out and visit those websites and learn more about those organizations and how they can help your organization with project management. And of course, visit projectmanagementofficehours.com, the homepage of our show, to be able to see upcoming episodes, catch all of the previous episodes, of course, and uh, learn more about the amazing guests that we've had on the show. So for today, very excited to have with us Kathy Christian. Art Garcia and Curtis Brown, welcome all of you to the show. We'll give you all an opportunity to introduce yourself here. We'll start ladies first, of course. Kath, we'll start with you. If you can take a moment, just introduce yourself and let everybody know a little bit about you. Georgia, thanks. And thanks for inviting me today to uh, be on the show. I'm super excited to be here. My name is Kathy Christian. Um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania and, um, you know, college was not necessarily uh, not an option for me, but I had a hard time figuring out how I was going to get there in terms of cost. And so one of the options uh, was an ROTC scholarship. I had my best friend went to West Point the year before, and um, I was like, oh, the academy might be cool. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to the academy after he got there and told me all about <laughs> it. I was like, yeah, no, that's not for me. So I, I uh, got and received an Air Force scholarship, Air Force ROTC scholarship, and I went to Syracuse University. And it was just really probably one of the better decisions I've ever made. I uh, had a great time, went into the Air Force, wanted to fly, uh, but I had problems with my refractive error. So uh, they said, well, you can go from flying to flying. It's easier that way. So I um, ended up being on the AWACS, Airborne Warning and Control System. So it's this big radar plane with a big rotodome on top, you know, and I did that for about eight years, including Desert Storm. Talk about um, dating myself, but um, including Desert Storm. And, and so um, 
I did that for about eight years. And then I got married. My husband was also in the military and we decided to get out to have our family, start our family and have our family. And so I got out um, and we both went to Prudential and I served there in different project management capacities for 25 years or so. I retired in 2020 so that I could, um, you know, pursue my passion of giving back and serving others. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, as you know, some of you may know, I'm uh, the vice president of PMMA. We'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. And I also volunteer for some other nonprofit organizations serving veterans and then for some organizations in my local community. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for your service. And uh, as one of the co founders of VPMMA, of course, thanks for the service uh, in our um, nonprofit organization as well. Art, uh, next up, your turn. A little introduction, if you would. Howdy, everybody. I'm Art Garcia. I'm born and raised San Antonio, Texas native, a fighting Texas Aggie. I went to A&M Electrical Engineering School, Air Force ROTC also. I joined the Air Force back last century, and I was career project manager, research development. I worked on fighter jets and bomber jets and cargo jets. I built big missiles for the good guys to shoot down in Missile Defense Agency. Software intensive systems, right? Putting new weapons onto old airplanes, old platforms. And my last job, I was teaching project management, federal acquisition, federal contracting at Defense Acquisition University there in Fort Belvoir, Northern Virginia. So in 2009, I went to um, transition out of the military. I retired and I transitioned to industry as a consultant, as a project manager. So I served, I was a Beltway Bandit. I served VA and FEMA and GSA. Then my baby graduated high school, got accepted to my alma mater, and I told the family, we are coming home to San Antonio. So in 2015, summertime, we relocated back to San Antonio. I started consulting over here in the local area, and I was pleased to join USAA earlier this year. Awesome. Thank you so much, Art. Appreciate it. And I know you do a lot of mentoring in your time, so we'll, we'll circle back to that, of course, as the show goes on. Curtis. Thank you for joining us. If you could take a moment, introduce yourself, please. All right, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, as you said, my name is Curtis Brown, born in Providence, Rhode Island, but I, I say I'm from North Carolina because we moved uh, on down to North Carolina. Um, I joined the Air Force right after high school. So in high school, I, I just knew I was going to get a full ride uh, playing football somewhere, and the only thing I was getting was a little partial scholarship. My dad was like, man, you should think about, you know, maybe joining the military, the Air Force. I'm like, ah, I'm going to play football. And lo and behold, all my friends started getting uh, their applications and accepted here and there. And I was like, oh, uh, dad, let's let's go to the recruiter's office. So right after I graduated, um, I joined the Air Force, and that was uh, 1998. I uh, had the opportunity to do uh, my very first career field was crew chief. I worked on a U-model gunship so for my maintainer folks and my, my AWACS people. And then I retrained into public health, which is like Department of Health type work uh, in the civilian sector, deployment medicine, occupational safety, all that good stuff. Then I wound up getting a uh, email saying, hey, congratulations, Sergeant Brown, you've been selected to become a military training instructor or a drill sergeant. So at that point, I was already 17 years in. I was a master sergeant slash uh, E7. And I was like, man, my trajectory, I just knew I was about to be moving into uh, more of a, a leadership type of role. But I wound up 
uh, here in, at Art's home, San Antonio. So I was right at uh, Lackland as a military training instructor. And right when uh, my assignment was about to be up, it was like, hey, you have two options for you. You can go to Minot, North Dakota, which is a super cold <laughs> base. I've been to a cold base, been stationed in the snow. I was like, no, thank you. And the other option was uh, Canada, New Mexico, which we were like, ah, you know, we, we, we've had a, a good time. And uh, so I opted to retire in lieu of accepting those orders. So, yeah, at that point, I had a decision to make. I was like, ah, let me uh, see what certifications are available. And uh, luckily, I was able to find out about a free program uh, with Opportunity, which I'll get into some of that a little bit later when you ask some questions and uh, get my PMP rolling. And um, I wound up becoming a, a PMP instructor for a company called Dynamic Advancement and had the opportunity to go over to, to England and teach classes in Japan as well. And now currently I'm working for a DHA as a contractor doing project management stuff. So that's, that's, that's my journey. Awesome. Again, thank, thanks all of you for your service. Uh, Air Force, we didn't plan it that way. It just uh, happened to turn that way. Uh, also, I'll, I'll take a moment here. I mentioned the PMO squad earlier as one of the sponsors of the show. Uh, just uh, last week, we received the platinum medallion. Uh, from the Department of Labor for the Higher Vets Program. Only one of eight companies here in the state of Arizona to get the platinum medallion. So we're proud supporters of the military and hiring and retaining our veterans and putting programs in place to support them. So there's a little pat on our back. It's always good to be able to promote the good work that we're doing out there in the community. You know, what we like to do on this show, of course, is tell stories, right, and understand the experiences that you've been through. And, and you guys just alluded to that a little bit within your introductions, of course. But Art, I'll, I'll come over to you first and just say, tell us, what was your transition story like? How, how did you get from Air Force uh, active duty into a project management field, right? Because a lot of people out there are struggling to be able to understand what comes next after service. What was that like for you? So... Funny you should ask, Joe. I had pretty much the exact opposite story of what I hear a lot out there from my mentees. I was inside the National Capital Region Beltway, right? And I just come out of Defense Acquisition University teaching project management, steeped in that project management federal policy and procedures. So I walked into one of those military job fairs, right? I had my little DAU business card. It had the bright red letters on it. And uh, people were coming up to me. So I met my future boss, another veteran. And he talked with me. He was with a small consulting company and talked with me about joining him at FEMA. And it just so happens at that time, uh, DHS was undergoing a very similar transformation in their acquisition policies and procedures like DOD was. So I had just finished teaching that stuff. So it was it was entirely too easy. The economy was roaring right there in National Capital Region. And uh, I thought, well, th th this ain't so bad. <laughs> and then I transitioned back to San Antonio. Okay, here I come from DC. I'm a Beltway Bandit, got my contractor suit on, my white shirt and red tie. And I think, oh, San Antonio is a sleepy small town. I got this wire. Yeah, that wasn't the case at all. Mm. I mean, Curtis will tell you, you have to build your network. You have to find your mentors. You have to make connections. You have to market yourself. 
talk a lot to my mentees about value proposition, not just in your resume, but elevator speech on your LinkedIn profile, when you go to do your networking and the answers to your interview questions. So after going through that little desert, that little dry spell, I have a real appreciation for people that are challenged with the military transition. That's why I do a lot of mentoring. Yeah, thanks for for helping that. And I think, you know, for Kat and Curtis, your story probably not the same as Arch, right? You didn't walk into uh, your future employer just saying, hey, tap you on the shoulder. Let's come work for me. What what was your transition story like, Kat? Yeah, Joe, you're right. It was uh, completely different, right? So I flew. So you know, when you, when you get out, they, they try to kind of match you up with uh, the program and what you'd be good at. And, oh, air traffic controller was the only thing that kind of flashed up as a, as a match. I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to do that. So, um, you know, and I wasn't even sure that I, I didn't even really want to get out. Right. I mean, I was, I was on a pretty good role. I, I would have stayed in had I had the opportunity, but I got married and I, you know, made the decision to, to support my husband because he wanted to get out. And, um, and so we went through a military, junior military officer, kind of headhunter. They don't like to be called that, but that's basically what they were. And um, interviewed with a bunch of different companies. And so for us, the most important thing was to get a job, each of us to get a job, right? And then it was, could we get a job together in the same region? And then well, what if we could get a job at the same company? And so that that was the process we went through. It was a they taught you how to interview, they taught you how to do your resume. And I had 17 interviews in two days. Wow. And I had 14 follow-ups. So I was lucky, right? My husband wasn't as lucky. We're very different personalities. And so, but we had four companies that were a match for us. And we both decided, um, you know, my family was in uh, Pennsylvania. And so we decided that the Northeast was the right location for us. And so we came to Prudential. That was, you know, in 1995. Um, so if you think about back then, before Curtis was even in the military or out of high school, thanks, Curtis. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, for, for me, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do, right? I, I didn't make the connection for a very long time that what I did in the military, flew on the AWACS, planned the missions, you know, con- controlled the whole, you know, war plan, if you will. Um, I didn't make the connection that that was, if nothing else, project management for a very long time, right? So I was a trainer in the military and an evaluator. So that's kind of my first job in in the civilian sector at Prudential. I was kind of doing the training, the, um, you know, all of the uh, procedural documentation and stuff like that. It's part of the military, right? You got all the procedures and stuff. So that's where I started. Um, and, and then it was an easy transition then into project management. And then, you know, when, when Prudential and, and quite frankly, there wasn't a lot of support for veterans back then. Right. Like I was alone and unafraid almost. There were a few of us there. And, but what I was told was I had to play the game better. That was the advice people gave me. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And, oh yeah, you need to get a mentor. Yeah. I don't need a mentor. I mean, so I, I made all the mistakes that people typically make, right? Like, let's just be clear. I made them all. And so finally, when I figured it out and it took me a really long time, then I said, oh, that was about the time Prudential started really getting into supporting veterans. And I started saying, you know what, I need to go back and help those coming in behind me because I learned everything the hard way. And I'm happy to tell you my story about what you shouldn't probably do, right? Or what's going to make it harder for you to be successful. And, and so that's kind of my story, Joe, in, in a nutshell about how I got into project management 
And quite frankly, then I ended up being head of um, the financial management PMO when I, by the time I left. And I recruited as many veterans as I could, irrespective of their MOS or AFSC or whatever their, their job duty was in the military, because nine times out of 10, they have the prerequisite to be a good project manager, right? For the most part, um, irrespective of what they did in the military, because it's, you know, getting from point A to point B, figuring out how to do it. Something happens along the way that you need to account for, and you still figure out how to get to point B, right? I mean, so that's just the bottom line of why I think veterans make good project managers. Kathy, I had a question for you. So what was that uh, that conversation like with you and your husband? Because I, I know I was, you know, me and my wife were mill to mill. So what was that conversation like uh, deciding, hey, we're both getting out versus just one of us getting out or we're both staying in? Wow. Well, I'm glad the door's closed and he's working <laughs> in the other office. So, um, but, but, but the conversation was, you know, I, I wanted to stay. I had a pretty good trajectory. I knew, you know, in the military, you kind of knew what your next assignment was likely to be, or, or you could kind of figure that out, or people were kind of grooming you for certain things. So I kind of knew what my next six years were going to be. I was in for eight. So I, it was, I was at the point where I either had to decide to get out or stay in, right? My husband wanted to get out. And he said, well, I'll support you. You know, you, you can stay in. And I said, yeah, I love you, but I don't think I'd do that for you. So that's not fair. I mean, and that, that was the truth, right? If, if you were going to get out, it'd be really hard then to be kind of a supporting spouse. I, I, I've seen a lot of people be very successful at it. I knew I wouldn't be good at it. Um, and I knew it wasn't fair to ask my husband to do that. And so we made the hard decision. And I got to be honest, Curtis, you know, I had a lot of people. It was at the time AWEX was building out a reserve unit. And they asked me to be the DO of the reserve unit. And I was like, ooh. But I'm like, oh, you know, I saw too many people get called up. And the reason we were getting out was for family purposes, you know, to have our family, start our family. And so that's kind of why we um, made the decision. And, um, you know, I had a lot of angry colonels at me for sure. But I was just like, sir, I had to, you know, I had to do it for my family. And so I hope you understand that. So did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I wonder if you found it's one of the same things that I did in that communicating and that connecting and that mentoring, you're building your network and the person you help today may be the person that helps you tomorrow. Did you ever see that happen? Oh, 100%, 100%, right? Like, so I feel like you, you have to be honest and you have to be a little vulnerable and I feel like from a veteran, veteran to veteran perspective, that's a bit easier, right? Like I'm more vulnerable with veterans typically than I am with, you know, just somebody off the street, if you will, right? So so that's why I think it's easy for me to kind of guide people and help people. And, you know, that that has happened many times, right? You help You help each other out. Like, and you don't even know it at the time. And you don't even recognize probably, I mean, I don't know, Art and and. Curtis, if you've had this experience, right, you don't even recognize what you're doing, how helpful and impactful that is to the folks that you're helping out, right? Because to you, it's just a conversation. To you, it's just a natural thing that you're doing. And then when they come back and tell you what an impact it was, you were like, oh, well, you had no idea. Yeah, definitely. I went through that exercise a few years ago. You know, you're reaching out to people, you're having conversations, maybe you're buying them lunch or dinner. And you never hear from them again. 
And then all of a sudden, oh, he's got some big job. Okay, well, and there's no thank you. There's no, hey, appreciate you or nothing like that. And you're like, well, why is it exactly then that I'm doing this? Am I, am I doing it for me so that I feel better? Am I doing it for them so they get helped along? And so that's why I decided, you know what? I'm not going to wait for thanks. I'm not going to wait for a little card in the mail or a basket of flowers or you know, them to buy me a taco and a beer. I mean, Curtis did, but <laughs> I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. And I can do it and I can help. Whether it happens or not, whether they hit pay dirt or not, or whether I get thanked or not. And and Art, I was gonna say, uh, you you definitely uh, bring up a good point about uh, networking. Uh, obviously, for those that are listening, y'all don't know Art was actually one of my mentors as I was kind of going through my transition. Uh, so my transition uh, was actually not too bad. Um, I mean, luckily uh, here, this is uh, Mill City, USA. You know, here in San Antonio, so. Uh, definitely a big veteran presence, uh, a big military presence here, and there are a lot of industries and in, uh, here within San Antonio and employers that value veterans and what they bring to the table. And I can remember having conversations with Art, and he's like, "All right, Kurt, make sure you know get your elevator pitch together. These are things that you need to do." And uh, one thing that I always tell veterans is uh, don't be afraid of opportunities that come up because you never know what window or door that opportunity may open up for you. So uh, case in point, uh, whenever I went through the Onward Opportunity Program, uh, the Director of Military Affairs for our local PMI chapter at that time was uh, Keikai Namau, who is the owner of the company that I initially started working for, Dynamic Advancement. So, you know, I talked with him and connected with him. And he's like, man, Kurt, uh, you know, I love your energy. You have a, a great background. What would you think about uh, teaching PMP courses until, you know, you kind of fall into something else? And I remember having that conversation with Art. And he was like, yeah, Kurt, I mean, go for it. You definitely have the personality for it. Um, get your resume together. Kind of be running things in the background. So, you know, had I not had that that conversation with, uh, with K-Kai and then just when he asked me, I could have easily been like, oh, no, that's something I've never done before. It sounds too hard. But, um, you know, I, I stepped on out on faith and said, hey, all right, well, let me give it a shot. And then, you know, 800 hours later, uh, over over 30 courses taught, and I had opportunity to go to some, some places internationally and teach PMP courses. It uh, definitely has helped grow my network uh, big time. You know, that guy, Kakai, he – Definitely owes me a taco. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 it's a strange world, right? There's a connection we have with the PMO squad and art. And I don't know if he recognizes this or not, but one of the veterans we hired out of the DOD skill bridge program came to us and he's working in a sales position, which uh, is not what he's his MOS. I'm learning all the terms as well, right? His, he was in the healthcare field uh, within the military and he had reached out to USAA and connected with art and he had afterwards shared how he was getting mentoring for art from art rather while he was trying to do inroads and do sales to be able to get into USAA as a client so so art kudos to you for taking an opportunity to see a a newly transitioned veteran uh, in a role that he's probably not very comfortable at all but he's doing his best he's working hard and he's making good progress and for you to be able to step in there and, and help him through that process as well. Very cool. Hey, I'm hey, so happy to hear that. 
Hey, Joe, I think one of the things, you know, that, that depending on where you are in, in your company or, or not, right, I, I think one of the opportunities that you have is to give other folks opportunity, right, other veterans coming behind you opportunity. So let me, let me give you an example of what I, what I mean by that, right? I had the opportunity to work with a, with a program and, and bring on somebody that was, uh, he was a first shirt. So he was a first sergeant, right? It's like, I can't be a project manager. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're probably going to be a great project manager, all the stuff you deal with on a daily basis. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm like, just, I, I said, just try. I, I, I mean, you know, just try. I, I'll help you. I'm, I'm there for you, whatever. So he came in and um, he was great. He was working on something for me. And he would, he was just really, really good. Um, and we were on this really high pressure, high visibility project. And I'm like, you're going to brief the senior leadership team. He's like, I can't do that. I said, of course you can. I, I said, I'm going to be there. I said, if you get caught up, I'll step in, whatever. We can practice. We can go over what you should talk about. I mean, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, but he actually did that. And like six months later, they stole them off of my team onto their team. So, but, but it was about, you know, giving him the confidence he needed to be able to step in there, giving him the support and direction, and then letting them go. And, and, you know, because a lot of times I think when the veterans come in to a company, they're a little uncomfortable, right? They don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. And, and so if, if there's somebody there that if you're there and you can support them, and this goes uh, for veterans to veterans or civilians to veterans, whoever, right? You have to be able to talk to that veteran and, and make them and coach them and help them feel comfortable in the environment and then and then give them those opportunities that they're, they're not going to seek out for themselves and they'll shine. You just got to give them a chance. That's my, that's been my experience. I don't know, um, you know, Curtis or Art, if you have that same experience or not, or Joe, yeah. even, right? Yeah, Kathy, I, I was going to say, uh, you hit it on the head. This is one of the reasons why, you know, PMI, the Project Management Institute, loves veterans to become project managers. Because what you get with the veteran is you have somebody that already knows how to take ownership of it. So even in Kathy's example, you know, that first shirt may have been a little hesitant, but once he took the stick, he already has had leadership opportunities before. He knows how to communicate. He knows how to breathe. He knows how to take ownership of, of a program or a project. So this is one of the, the reasons why PMI uh, loves having veterans come on and obtain, I mean, not only, you know, the, the PMP, but the, the, the PGMP and the, the PFMP as well, because with veterans, what you get is somebody that already knows how to be on time. They know how to manage people. They know how to facilitate, how to coach how to mediate, all these different things that you do as a supervisor while you're in the military, right? You know, these skills that a lot of times that we take for granted, you know, a lot of times people like to call them soft skills. I like to call them essential skills because you have to be able to communicate. I don't care what environment that you're in. I don't care if you're an IT person that just wants to be behind a computer creating code. At some point, you have to be able to communicate. And those essential skills are, are definitely a big part of that. And with being a project manager, you have to be able to do those things. And these are things that veterans learn how to do, whether they're, you know, home or whether they're in a deployed environment, even having those conversations with the family 
about having to deploy, like all of these different things that you have to navigate. So all of those experiences build to help make you a ready-made project manager, whether you already have the credential or not. Yeah, and I, you know, as the civilian in the room, right, what, what I do and I compare this, because we hire people just out of college, we hire people just out of um, the military. We, Craig Jones was on our show last year. He's also over at USAA. Uh, Purple Heart veteran uh, and Marine was here talking about his experience and said, listen, at 18 years old, you may be in charge of 50 people, multi-million dollars worth of equipment, and you're getting an education. It, it may not be from a university, but it's an education in leadership. It's an education in prioritization. It's an education in uh, emotions and motivation. It's an education in budgeting. You're getting an education. So, it's do you want an education from a university out of a textbook or do you want an education from real life experiences that may have been life or death situations with billions of dollars of equipment at stake, right? How does that translate with you? Again, that's my civilian perspective. I'm assuming maybe you're slightly biased because you're all veterans on this, but I think the experience is worth more than just the, and it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It still can be an and situation, but how do we, properly evaluate and weigh the experience from the military to a degree that you get from a university? Yeah. I mean, if I, if I could jump on that one, uh, piggybacking on what was said earlier about entering into a civilian company from the military. And I give you the DAU answer, right? It depends. Not all companies are the same. One of the things I tell my mentees when it comes to interview, interview them as much as they interview you. The worst of all possibles isn't that you didn't get the job. The worst of all possibles is you got the job and three, four, five weeks later, you figure out, oh, you know what? I'm in the wrong place. And now everybody has to start all over again. And nobody's very happy about that. And the, and the kinds of things that you're talking about, I understand are skills. They're skills that can be learned. Just like sinking a 15-foot putt, frying a steak, casting a, a fly rod. You didn't know how to do those at the beginning, but with mentoring, with training, with study, with practice, 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 you can master these skills. And that's what I talked to my mentors. And, and just for the audience, Art is going to uh, step away a little bit earlier before the show concludes today. So as we, we still got a lot of time, obviously, we're only about halfway through the show. But as we get closer towards the end, if, when, if we're not hearing from Art, it's not because we stopped talking to him. But his priority rate, obviously, is to get to that next meeting. We don't want him to be late for that. I got a meeting. <laughs> Curtis, so, jo so, Joe, so piggybacking on what you were asking or talking about, right, in terms of the, the skills you get out of the military versus a college education. So, you know, the, the skills that you get out of the military, I would say, at least from my experience and, and those that I've seen it come after me are, are the practical kind of life skills that make you mature and able to adapt and be resilient, right? Sometimes you get that in college, but that wasn't my experience in college. Um, you know, it was more about you did what you had to do. Well, you did what you had to do to get through. That's how I approached college, right? And right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, but but I feel like the, I learned a lot more about who I was and, and um, what I brought to the table, you know, what was really important 
in the military than I did in college, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I want to make sure we we get a chance to talk about, uh, obviously, as co-founder of EPMMA, I'm, I'm proud of what, the work we're doing to mentor veterans, but I know we're not the only group out there. Um, and I lock arms with all of them, right? It's not us or them. It's all of us collectively for the veterans. So if you guys can take a moment to talk about the groups that you're working with to be able to provide, whether it be mentoring or any sort of support for veterans out there, I think it's important to let those transitioning and also military spouses and families, of course, understand what services are out there for them. So Art, what's, what's been your experience and what are some of the service organizations that you're now part of? Well, I definitely follow, join, and support Disabled American Vets, American Legion, BFW. You know, they're very active, very big here in Military City, USA, San Antonio, Texas. We have our local network of veteran support, military, military spouses, coaching through the transitioning. It's called LinkedIn Mill City. And uh, Curtis is very active in that too. My personal favorite is Veterati, B-E-T-E-R-A-T-I.com. That's a free mentoring service where a mentee can look for a roster of a roster of veterans or, or mentors. They don't even have to be military that has something or has done something that interests you. So for example, uh, I was an Air Force guy. Oh, okay, well, I'm looking for an Air Force mentor. Hey, I did research and development project management. Oh, you know what, that's what I'd like to do. Hey, I live and work in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, you know what, I'm thinking about moving to San Antonio, Texas. Maybe I should talk to Art or Curtis, you know, somebody like that. I love veterati.com. Awesome, Curtis, how about you? All right, it's funny you bring that up because I, I sure got to get plugged in on Veterati because I'd like to start mentoring on there. But um, one um, service organization I definitely like to, to shout out, shout out, and that's uh, that's Kathy's Alone, uh, Onward to Opportunity, which is a, a a program that provides a recertification for veterans and their spouses, and it is uh it is sponsored by uh, Syracuse University through the the IVMS. So you know, if you're a, a veteran that's within six months of retirement or separation, you just uh, find a local program and get plugged in. They have over 32 different certifications. So not just, you know, PMP or ACP or Kaplan, but they have a bunch of IT certifications, HR certifications as well. And your spouse can utilize it anytime. So you have to be married now, not just this is your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your favorite, uh, your favorite person in the world. You're actually uh, married, able to show that marriage certificate. Yes, your spouse can get a free certification. So that's definitely one one service organization. And the other ones that that Art shouted out, um, like I like me and Art have talked about before. You know, really blessed to be here in, in Mill City, USA, because there's just it's so rich around here for different resources that are available uh, to veterans. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, great. And Kathy, how about yourself? Yeah, so um, Joe, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I retired in 2020 to try to give back and serve others. And so I jumped in with both feet, right? And and so I'm I'm supporting a lot of local, um, most, mostly around veterans, right? So um, I'm on the board of the executive, uh, the advisory board of the local community college for the veteran program. I'm trying to trying to get them to uh, be supportive of the veteran students. Um, 
I'm involved with the PMI local chapter here and the liaison to the to the you know um, headquarters or national level. Um, I've done some things with the Travis Mannion Foundation, uh, you know, about around character in, in schools and communities. Um, Team Rubicon, I've gone out and helped with some of the um, disaster preparedness work that they do. No Barriers is a great organization that I support. I'm, I'm uh, uh, work with them, and they it's all around um, you know overcoming barriers and and you know believing what's within you is stronger than what's in your way. And so they have a good motto. Um, but the one I'd really like to shout out is VPMMA. So as uh, Joe, you, you know, you're the co-founder of that, and I joined that organization in March. I and I didn't really know about it before I before I joined it before I met you and talk, we talked about it. Right, uh, that's how I how I got involved. Um, somebody reached out to me and we connected on LinkedIn. And so that's why how the connections and the mentoring and the networking works, right? And so we connected on LinkedIn and um, I met you, Joe, and you talked to me about what VPMMA was. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect organization. This is a, a combination of my, my passion, which is serving veterans and helping veterans and my life's work, which is project management, right? I mean, and so I've heard of ACP and Veterati and, and but VPMMA was this organization that, mentors, veterans, and project management. I had been doing that for 10 years at Prudential on my own. And, and so why not take that to the next level and try to really create a programmatic way to help more and more veterans um, as they transition to what I believe is a really good career field for them, which is project management. So I'm super excited about some of the changes that are happening there. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're building, building it out again after, you know, COVID kind of took a hit on us, but um, it's uh, we're excited to really get back on track and we have a, a full board now with lots of great ideas and, and we're looking forward to uh, moving it forward. Yeah. Awesome organizations. And, and I'll just name a couple locally here in Phoenix that I've participated in as well with the Pat Tillman foundation. Um, and we've had Candy Tillman on as a guest. She, we've utilized her organization 50 strong uh, to help with the DOD skill bridge program which for employers out there, SkillBridge is an amazing opportunity to bring on talent at an affordable cost. Uh, and if you're not familiar with SkillBridge, you absolutely should become familiar with SkillBridge. And even recreationally, uh, you had mentioned Team Rubicon, Kathy. I, I've been a supporter of Team Red, White, and Blue. I don't look like your typical marathoner, uh, but I've knocked out five marathons. And to do that, to be able to support uh, team Red, White, and Blue for the Marine Corps Marathon a few years ago was probably my favorite one of all, right? I mean, it, it's an opportunity to do what you love and then help people. I mean, right? It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, so for whatever service you're looking for to be able to help veterans and, and military families, they're out there. Um, you just have to become familiar with them and make an effort to be able to do that. So transition slightly here because this is a show generally about project management and you're all connected to project management. So I, I'll ask, Art, what's, what skills do you think are, trans, are the ones that are best transferable from military experience into a project management career? I got to tell you, it's surprising when I talk to my mentees about, hey, did, you, did this ever happen to you? The, the CEO or the first sergeant comes up to you and says, hey, I, uh, I want this done and I, and I got some money for you. And I want it done in three weeks and take these airmen over here. And next week, I'm going to come back and check and see how you're doing and get it done. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, man, we did that all the time. I said, well, there you go. You're a project manager. You didn't realize that's what you were doing. You're managing budget. You're managing human resources. You're managing schedule. You're managing quality. You're managing technology, uh, managing stakeholders, stakeholder expectations, things like that. See, that's what we do. And depending on the industry, depending on the scale, we apply those skill sets to take care of our customers. And so all of a sudden the light starts to come on, you know, they're like, oh, well, maybe I, you know what? I bet you I can do that. Absolutely. You can do that. Kat, you had mentioned that you didn't have that light bulb moment, kind of like Art was describing, right? A lot of uh, veterans don't have it. It took a while. How did you, what was your light bulb moment? Do you remember back to when that happened and what was that like for you? No, I, I mean, I think it was really after I started, um, you know, giving back to, to the veterans. And I was like, th- that was the light bulb moment that I was like, you know what? I did project management. That's what I did when I was flying. So it was, it was like you are, I didn't have the art there to help me. Right. Like I was alone and unafraid trying to figure it out by myself. Cause that's just how I did it for a lot of the things I did. Right. Unbeknownst to me, people were working on my behalf behind the scenes and guiding me directly, but I wasn't really I didn't call art once a week and get some help and this and that. And the other thing I had conversations with people and those conversations were mentoring. I didn't realize that at the time. Right. And, and those conversations helped guide me. Um, but I didn't re- recognize that it, that is mentoring. Right. But it, but it was, and I didn't recognize like for a long time that what I did was project management until I put it all together. And I was in a position where I was hiring people into project management, trying to do what art does describe, you know, you can be a project manager because you have the requisite skill set. And then I was thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what I did in the military, right? And I was like, oh, how stupid am I? But but hey, I figured it out eventually, right? And then I'm able to tell that story. So so you know, but but I think that that's that's the reality. I think there's a lot of um, support and help there now, and and people, you know, like Curtis, are coming out and recognizing the importance of and value of mentors and support and, and asking those questions. And, um, whereas when I got out that it wasn't as, um, prevalent, I would say. Yeah. Curtis, how about for you? I mean, again, it's great because we have different generations. We, even though you're all in the air force, you all had different backgrounds, right? And that's another thing, uh, Daryl, the show producer and I were talking before the show and he was saying, I didn't realize there were so many jobs in the military. And having a son who just recently went through boot camp, right? And they put 92 potential Navy jobs in front of you. Pick one. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of jobs, right? It's not just yeah, flying planes and yes. shooting warheads, right? How do, how, Curtis, how did you make that connection to project management? Well, uh, so for me, it was kind of like, um, before I even found out about like the, the PMP and then once I kind of started looking into it and I was like, oh, okay, I got to start this application. Like, man, am I going to have exactly what I need? And then I kind of thought about it like, well, man, Kurt, you're the, the job that you're currently in. I mean, every, you know, seven and a half weeks, you're taking 60 different individuals through a, a training process, being in DMT. Uh, you know, you're, you're taking these civilians that have zero knowledge about the military and then seven and a half weeks later they're marching down the bomb run and they're graduating and then they're going on to their their technical training i'm like man that's a project in itself then i thought about okay well you've done uh executive officer duty before every time the commander was like hey sergeant brown i need xyz done that's 
that's a project. As Art said, you know, you're dealing with schedule, you're dealing with cost, uh, you're dealing with the scope, i.e. the work of what needs to get done. So that's when it really made the connection for me. Like, man, almost everything that we do in the military is, is like a project. We just don't think about it from, you know, that vantage point. We don't think about it from, um, you know, the vernacular or from the, the language of PMI speak, but with the project, definite start date, definite end date, you're delivering a unique product, good, or service. That's, that's a project. So I always tell my students, hey, you know, you deployed before. What are some of the things that you did while you were deployed? And they're like, oh, man, well, that was a project. EPR, OPR season, it comes time for evaluations. Oh, that, that is a project. And the commander said, hey, I need you to run commander's call, as Art alluded to. Oh, that, that is a project. So, so many different things that, you know, we do throughout our uh, military career and things that we've done in the past are considered projects and we just don't necessarily think about it. So I think a lot of times it's about uh, just kind of trying to get people to, to change their aperture, right? So I'm sure Kathy and Art can attest to this from mentoring different people. A lot of times when we're in the military, like our aperture is like this, but it's about, okay, how can I get this person to open their aperture, kind of think outside of the box? What are the things that you've done? And when you see the light bulb go off, and I'm sure, you know, Kathy and Art can attest, that's the beautiful thing about mentoring, right? So when you see the light bulb go off, then when you see their confidence grow, and it's like, man, okay, well, that is a project. Because one of the things that, you know, we always said in, in basic military training coming from the, the instructor background is first you have to build confidence, and then competence is going to build confidence. And once you have confidence, then you're going to get commitment. So those three C's, once you get those three things in order, and that's something that we did in basic military training, right? Because, you know, when somebody comes in, they, they don't know anything. So you have to build that competence, and then you're going to build confidence. And when you have confidence, you get committed to whatever you're doing. So that's, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I saw throughout my military career and then just transferring that over into project management, thinking about, okay, well, Kurt, a lot of the things that you have done have been considered projects. So now change your aperture, change your mindset and apply those same concepts to whatever job that you may be doing for, for an employer. Great question. Yeah. So with through VPMMA, we get a lot of interaction with veterans and, and co consistent common feedback we get is, I, I'm just stuck and I don't know what to do because for the past four, eight, 12, whatever number of years, my assignment was given to me. I, I didn't, I don't know how to go figure out my next assignment when it's unknown. What, or what, what advice do you have for those veterans that are kind of stuck in that point of, I, I'm not being told what to do. So how do I figure out what to go do? Yeah, that's why when we started off the first question, I feel like I was a unique case because I just stepped right in from my blue Air Force suit into my blue, you know, Beltway Bandit suit. And there's a lot of people that are terrified of taking 100% control of your life, your career, your job, your livelihood, your income, because in the military, a lot of that is just taken care of for you. You're told where to go, what to do, what to wear, what time to be there, what time to quit what good looks like and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's why I tell a lot of my mentees, you didn't know how to march before you were taught. 
didn't know how to shoot the weapon before you were taught. You didn't know how to do your job until you were taught. Well, these are just skills that you can learn and you can teach. That's why it's important to find a mentor. Oop, aren't you, you put yourself on mute by accident. That interests you. That's why you should go look for that person and talk to that person. And not just one person, a few people. Sorry about that. Yeah, great advice. I mean, Kath and Curtis jump in. Same same question, right, for you guys. I mean, what's that advice for for somebody who just doesn't know? Like Art said, it's I, I've been told what to do. Now I got to go figure it out myself. My advice is really to kind of take the time and do some introspection, right? In terms of what do you what do you really want to do? What's your passion, right? Because you could have been in the military for a very long time and been told what to do and not really enjoyed it. Right. I I mean, and that's okay. You did it. You probably did it well. But but, you know, I feel like a lot of people are working for the paycheck and there's a huge advantage to be gained if you're doing something that you enjoy, Uh, you know. So I would say go ahead and, and try to help yourself by figuring that out a little bit, figuring out what really drives you and then how can you market that to 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 be able to find a position that aligns with what you really want to do take take the time to to learn that for yourself um you know and and sometimes you're not going to have that opportunity right but but learn it and then position yourself to get there eventually right because i feel like once you get there it's it, it's night and day once you're doing what you love yeah kathy you uh you definitely hit on something about just really trying to find out what is your passion, what do you enjoy? I mean, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, man, our conversation is almost already up. Like, <laughs> I, I love this. I enjoy having these conversations. So I always tell um, veterans and, you know, when I'm doing briefings for folks that are about to transition out of the military, like you've been doing this military job for 10, 15, 20 plus years. Like what? What do you want to do now after the military? So what is that going to look like for you? And you may have to go through some different jobs to find exactly what you enjoy and what you like. I mean, for most of the veterans that I've talked to that have been retired for a good amount of time and been through uh, some different jobs, they're like, hey, it took me two or three jobs before I landed the one that I really, really enjoy. I really enjoy what I'm doing. It doesn't even feel like work, um, you know, when I, whenever I'm at work. It's just something that I enjoy and kind of finding that passion. The other thing I would say is um, as folks are transitioning out, hopefully, you know, you don't wait to the very last minute. You're not waiting until six months. You want to start thinking about these things two, three years out. I mean, even to the point, hey, where do we want to live when we retire? Because cost of living is going to be different. Different states uh, provide veterans different types of uh, benefits. So these are all things that, that you want to be thinking about. Uh, as you're about to make your transition from, you know, being a military member over into working into the the civilian force. And let's let's flip this a little bit. You know, there's over 200,000 veterans coming out of the military each year. And not all of them are project managers, but most of them or some of them could be. So we just asked about the advice or tips for the PM. How about for the organization? And for the PMO leader who's looking to bring on staff, what's the advice for them to be able to, to give them the opportunity to bring in highly trained, highly skilled, competent, effective leadership and talent? And Art, I know you're going to be leaving soon, so I'll let you go first on that one. Okay, so you saved the best for last. 
I think that's the toughest question. I haven't, haven't really dealt with that question, right? There are enough people in the civilian workforce that are not familiar with the military, have no idea what military people did in our careers, and all they know about the military is what they see in movies and on TV, and sometimes they're kind of scared of that. And so I guess one of the things I would uh, I would I would uh, coach or counsel is to make as clear as you can expectations for success. In the military, we work as part of a team. And success is we accomplish the mission. When we understand what that is very well, there's very little that can stop us from winning. And we love to win. And that's why we come to work. And so the clearer you can make that definition of winning or good or quality or success, I think the better that you'll you'll find that they do. And I and and I obviously not trying to stump you guys on that question, but I think this is the magic, the silver bullet, right? We always focus on the individual to get them prepared, but they have to have a destination, right? We we have to have the organizations prepared to bring in veterans and and take the chance and the opportunity with them. I, Curtis, what's your thoughts on this? Joe, this is definitely a great question, and the first thing I thought about is. You know, as an organization, the, the hiring managers, the recruiters, uh, don't be afraid to reach out to veterans because obviously the very first thing that, that people often see is going to be uh, that resume. And I think a lot of times you look at the resume and, you know, for that hiring manager, maybe like, man, this looks kind of bare. But if you look and you see that this individual is, is a veteran, you kind of look at what their experience has been. Because I think a lot of times organizations miss out on some very, very skilled uh, workers and, you know, potentially some great employees because all they see on the resume is, oh, OK, well, this person was a veteran. I don't see anything after that. And oftentimes with the job qualifications, you know, they're looking for five plus years and this five plus years and that. So I, that would probably be my primary thing is just don't be afraid to uh, give that veteran a call, get a feel for what their experience is, not just necessarily go off of uh, what's on the resume. You're potentially missing out on you know, some diamonds in the rough, you're missing out on some highly skilled, motivated workers that are going to come in and instantly make an impact on your organization. Yeah, dig deeper, right? And, and again, in the civilian world, we don't know MOS and, you know, the alphabet soup of, soup of the military acronym. So when on a resume that there's something that we don't understand, usually we just throw it to the side, right? We don't look at it. Uh, but this is an opportunity to know that veteran equals potential beyond what you understand because you don't understand their world. Kat, what's your thoughts? Yeah. So Joe, that it's funny that you asked that question because one of the things I did um, at Prudential was created a hiring manager training. Mm. <laughs> so what we, what we talked about in that training was um, we talked about a little bit about the military and the rank and the structure and the, you know, so they understood a little bit about that. They all, we also talked about the common myths and misperceptions Everybody has PTSD. That's not true. I, I mean, you know, so kind of alleviate all those um, misperceptions. We talked about how they should really take a look at their job requisitions and reposition them 
because military people aren't going to have five years of PMP. They're not going to be a PMP. They're not going to have five years of project management experience because they're not going to recognize that that's what it is. So look at the requisitions and, and try to redo them. Um, we had, you know, um, business resource groups. A lot of companies have these business resource groups. So we offered a free looking at the um, the resumes for folks, helping the the hiring managers look at resumes and and teach teach the recruiters how to look at resumes and stuff like that. So we did a lot of work there. Um, and then just, you know, we ended up the session with really the benefits of hiring a veteran. What what are you really going to gain by hiring the veteran and how should you approach it? And then, you know, and then connecting those veterans as they did come in with uh, other veterans in the company to have that mentorship that you that you talked about. So I think that really helped us out a lot when we started pursuing doing that a little bit and, and, and being able to make that available for the hiring managers and the recruiters. Yeah, that's obviously great feedback from all of you. And, and I'll just add in there, partner with an organization like VPMMA to provide mentoring so your team becomes familiar with veterans through an informal relationship first, so they're already comfortable working with them. That way, when it comes to formal hiring practices, everybody understands what those experiences and backgrounds are like. And then as business owners, know that there's uh, tax advantages to hiring veterans, right? There, there's a business side to this as well. The WOTC uh, work opportunity tax credit is available to organizations. Um, so not only are you getting great talent, but you can get tax benefits from doing that as well. You know, uh, Curtis alluded to it earlier. He said, man, the show's going by so fast. We, we've covered so much ground and it seems like we're just getting started. But this is what happens on these shows when we bring everybody together and have conversations that are important. They go by quickly. So I want to thank uh, all of you. Art's not with us right now. Of course, he had to leave, as we mentioned. So thank you, Art and Kat and, and Curtis for joining us. I want to give you one last opportunity if there's anything we haven't gotten to today that you want to mention or how can people get a hold of you if there's uh, if they have any additional follow-up questions. So, Kat, what's the uh, best way for folks to reach you or anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I would say the best way is um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I try to, I still am looking uh, to support as many folks as possible. Um, so, and I have a big network of people. So if I don't have the answer anymore, I can probably ask somebody that, that would be able to give you the right answer. So don't, don't hesitate to do that. I'm happy to help if I can. Fantastic. Curtis, how about you? Same here. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Curtis JBL Brown. There's only one of me. There's tons of Curtis Brown, but there's only uh, one Curtis JBL Brown. Yeah, I would say that's uh, definitely the best way to connect with me. And uh, as Kathy said, like, I, I don't know everything. But if I don't know an answer, I'll do my best to get you plugged in to, uh, to somebody that can help you out. And uh, the last thing I would say, Joe, is uh, just be encouraged, regardless of, you know, where you may be in your, in your transition. Like, you know, everybody kind of goes through those the same ups and downs, like this is life. And everybody thinks life is going to be on this straight upward trajectory. And we know that that things come up and things happen. So uh, just go forth, have your goal in mind and continue to pursue it. Awesome. Thank you, Curtis, as well. Of course, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate everything. We're now over 40 million plays and downloads over the past four years from all of our different shows. So it's great to know that we've got people listening in. Be sure to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com uh, to see a list of all of our upcoming shows. 
We're going to finish out the year with Chris Ronzio, who is the president and CEO of Trainual, uh, an organization that's uh, focused on online playbooks and playbooks to be able to help your organizations deliver better. Uh, and then Luis Guardardo, who is the leader of the PMO of the Year for the Americas and was a finalist in the PMO of the Year from the PMO Global Alliance out of El Salvador, uh, of all places. It's fantastic to see countries even as small as El Salvador can still put together fantastic project management organizations. Next year, we've got a great lineup of guests. Uh, we've got some repeat guests lined up that are going to be joining us, like uh, Frank Salatis. Uh, the father of International Project Management Day is going to be coming back. Nigel Creaser is going to be joining us. I think we'll have Tim Creasy, uh, CEO of ProSci, joining us again next year. So lots of great stuff to look forward to. Uh, reminder, we do tape these shows that are recorded. So we're live, which makes the shows always fun and interesting, uh, but also the recorded so you can go back and catch them if you can't get us while we're on air. So uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, et cetera, whatever it may be. Of course, thanks to our sponsors, the PMO Squad, Platinum Medallion winner from Higher Vets uh, for the work we're doing and one of only eight here in the state of Arizona. And of course, the global community, the PMO leader, uh, which supporting project management around the globe. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.